The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, David versus Goliath. Fast forward to the year 2015. So let me get started. You're thinking, what? Business innovation, David and Goliath? Yeah, think metaphorically. Think big picture. So here we go. By 2020, global trade among connected businesses could total $65 trillion. But large corporations' current processes can't keep up with the digital economies. You know what? The hyperconnectivity. You know the deluge of data. You know the timelines are tight and compressed and closing in on you. And you know, above all, customer expectations are soaring. They want it now. They want more. They want it when and how they want it. So what's the answer to all this in terms of the big picture for business? The answer is business networks. What are business networks? Well, they connect people and systems and processes to simplify collaborative innovation. That's what it's all about. What else do they do? Here's the key to our topic. Business networks support supplier diversity, connecting corporations with minority-owned and women-owned businesses for new procurement opportunities. That's the key to our discussion today, supplier diversity. Now you can get the picture of David versus Goliath. Uh huh. We have assembled a panel of three very interesting people. They're in the trenches. They're experts. They're passionate about this topic. It means a lot to them personally, professionally, in their own lives, in their corporate lives. Can't wait to introduce them to you. So first up on the panel, it's my pleasure to introduce Quentin L. McCorvey Sr. And he said I could call him Quentin once we get started. He's the President and COO of M&R Distribution Services. And Quentin has brought me a quote from Pastor Rodney Maiden, the senior pastor of Providence Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, this quote will sound familiar to a lot of you because it's been phrased differently. If you look it up, it's all over the web. But here's the Pastor Rodney Maiden version. God places people in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I know that sounds familiar. Great words of wisdom. Quentin McCorvey, how are you today? Good morning, Bonnie. How are you? Um, wonderful. Thank you. Where are you calling from, Quentin? I'm calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Well, I'm not surprised because that's where Pastor Rodney Maiden is, is speaking. Now, talk to me, Quentin. Interesting quote. What does the quote mean in terms of our topic, David versus Goliath Business Networks? Talk to me. Well, from my perspective, it means that uh, 
when you look at business opportunities and business relationships, they come for a reason. Sometimes you may not have an opportunity when you're looking to attract a company, but even your failure in trying to get connected as being a supplier or a customer or a vendor of a company works for a lot of different reasons. You learn more about your business if it doesn't work. Um, sometimes it's a reason to get you connected to another company, but sometimes those relationships are long-going, on long-standing relationships. So whenever you're looking into a relationship, you really need to go into it with the end in mind. What is the purpose of this? And you can't be discouraged if it doesn't come out the way that you want it to come out because there's a reason for that to happen, and you have to understand what that is and not be discouraged by that. Thank you, Quentin. I, I want you to expand just a little more in terms of supplier diversity. Just give us a little overview. Why is this important to you for you to be on this panel today? Well, it's important to me because it's uh, my lifeblood being the owner of a minority-owned uh, business. And supplier diversity is an opportunity, from my perspective, for us to see who's at the table. Uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot is diversity, but diversity always needs to be coupled with inclusion. And, and many mm-hmm. businesses or larger businesses, as they're, they're connected to trying to bring procurement opportunities in, um, smaller companies uh, are not necessarily the safe bet or the best bet for them. And so there has to be an initiative or an effort to bring minority and, and women-owned and veteran-owned businesses into the organization and give them opportunities where they can contribute. And that's why it's important to me. Not only that, but it's also a community builder because the, the rising mm-hmm. tide lifts all boats. Oh, I like that one, too. Is that an original from you, or did you find that somewhere? Yeah, I heard it somewhere, so I can't attribute okay. it myself. I'll have to look it up. Well, today it's yours. Uh, just one comment before we move on to our second guest, Quentin. We talk on many, you know, we have a, 11 different currently live radio series under the umbrella of SAP Game Changers Radio. We speak frequently about the importance of smaller companies, about the zest, about the vitality, about the agility, about the way they are making decisions based on data. They're able to pull in analytics and make good, solid decisions and the value they bring to business networks, the value they bring to the workplace, the value they bring to the digital economy in general. So I'm so pleased to hear your perspective on the smaller companies, the minority-owned, the women-owned, because small businesses are very important to everybody moving forward. So that's just my little piece of reference there. Thank you, Quentin. Eloquent start to our conversation. Delighted to have you here. And now I'd like to introduce our second panelist. She is Bridget Carter. She is a manager of supplier diversity for Caesars Entertainment. And does it get any more appropriate than that, supplier diversity manager on our topic today? Bridget has sent me the following quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, and the quote is, the time is always right to do what is right. It gives me shivers saying that quote, Bridget. It's so important. It's it's so valuable to everything. Bridget Carter, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me. Interesting quote from MLK. So how does it apply to our topic, Bridget? Well, it applies to our topic um, because it's about making the right business choices. It's a quote that, you know, I live by and I raise my children by basically um, always doing what feels right in your heart, never, uh, you know, going with the popular because, um, you know, even if you believe it's wrong. So if you follow your heart and do what's right, 
um, you are making good choices. So as it um, relates more to my role in supplier diversity, Mm -hmm. it's about uh, making right choices uh, when connecting that diverse supplier to the appropriate person in the company uh, so they can be included in RFPs. It's about providing guidance and assistance so that company can develop and grow and become a sustainable uh, business partner for your company. And it's about training internal sourcing leaders and buyers so they have the tools to, so they can search and have an ongoing uh, pipeline to include suppliers in their RFPs. So when we can provide opportunities for suppliers, mm-hmm. and that's inclusion and not excluding them, when we reach out to help them and bring them into our supply chain, um, that brings on success. But it's, uh, it's good for the business, it's good for the supplier, and it's a good for the community. So it's a win-win situation for uh, connecting all these different entities. And that's Thank pretty much what I believe. Thank you, Bridget. Very well put. I have a question for you. Uh, uh, maybe a naive question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I do it all the time sure. and take my chances. question is, we are a global economy. Diversity mm-hmm. is everywhere. We, we are talking to people, I talk here on the radio, to people around the world, different cultural backgrounds, different upbringings, different points of view on business and community. The world should be at a point where it's so united to me that we don't have to say diversity suppliers. To me, everybody is a diversity supplier and everybody is included. So my naive question for you, Bridget, uh, just briefly is, where do we define diversity today in a world that is by its very global nature diverse, period, end of subject? So tell me, how, how do we say this is a diversity supplier when, in a sense, everybody is? What do you think? Well, um, I think it goes, you know, beyond that because supplier diversity is um, a set of processes that identifies uh, diverse suppliers, who those suppliers are based on, um, you know, their uh, certification and uh, business model. So Mm -hmm. a diverse or woman-owned company has to own and operate that company uh, 51% to be certified. And so when uh, companies such such as ours, um, have those set of processes where we can identify increased dollars spent with businesses that are owned by, you know, diverse and women-owned businesses. That is mm-hmm. supplier diversity. That is okay. what supplier diversity is all about. So you have to have those processes in place, and that's, um, you know, clear policies, roles and responsibilities of your internal team, uh, procedures, to document and measure, you know, your results. So that's okay. pretty much uh, how we define it, and I think the answer to your question. Thank you very much, Bridget. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you for joining us. And let's now welcome the third member of our panel. He is Sam Crawford, Sr., CEO and founder of Armed Forces Construction Group, LLC. And Sam is a decorated and very proud U.S. Naval veteran. And here is an original Sam Crawford quote. In honor of those who served as we did and continue to do so. I'm almost in tears. I love the quote. Sam Crawford, welcome. How are you today, Sammy? 
great. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. Interesting quote. How does this re- re- relate to our topic of supplier diversity, Sam? Well, in our case, uh, being in the construction industry, uh, we have veterans coming home every day. And if people are listening in other countries, they also have veterans coming home every day. And after they've served their country, they want to work for their country. They want to do and continue to do more. Uh, Veterans that come home are ready to go, so we're here for them. I spend hours a day getting cities opened with veteran organizations, and we give it all we got to bring these people back to the United States and give them what they need, and that's, that's a job. And they are very, very thrilled to have that opportunity. I bet they are. That's a topic that's so much in the news, Sam. We see it all the time. We see it on all woven into the themes of so many uh, detective shows and so many news shows and news magazines about veterans coming back. And I know it's in the news on the political landscape right now. We're not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. There's a huge and vicious uh, attack, attack, debate going on, and we're just going to keep that completely out of this show, but you you know what I'm talking about. I know you do. Those in the U.S. Sure. know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, Sam, in terms of supplier diversity, now, is, is the diversity you're talking about in terms of veterans, hiring veterans, giving them a chance, makes you a diverse supplier of services where those veterans are employed, or how does the diversity come in? It absolutely does. It works for us. Uh What happens for us is I know because of being a vet and so do the other people in my company that a lot of cost overruns, a lot of bottom line prices, things things like that. What people don't realize is that we do is in the military, you're trained and conditioned to get things right the first time. That's why veterans make Mm -hmm. such good employees. And that's what keeps us getting more diverse and into more areas. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure to meet you and uh, very proud to have you here on the panel doing what you do and representing whom you represent. Now, I have a tough question for the whole panel, a really tough question, but I prepared you all, so I'm expecting wonderful answers. Quentin McCorvey, Sr., you're calling from Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know what they drink there in the morning, but I want to know what you're drinking right now, Quentin, or what are you thinking about drinking after we're off the air? Talk to me, Quentin McCorvey. Well, my favorite drink is a triple venti extra hot, extra good caramel macchiato. And it's a Starbucks drink, and I say extra good because I love speaking with the baristas. They take their job as a profession, and they're very serious about it. But I say extra good because if you're going to have to mortgage your home to buy a cup of coffee, <laughs> you want to make sure it has a special flavor to it. You need to have that supplier diversity so you can bump up that bottom line. So what would you say? A triple vente, extra hot, extra good macchiato at Carmel Starbucks? Macchiato. Caramel. I knew it. I missed the key word. Darn extra, me. 
have to have an extra shot of espresso to get you going for the day. Oh, my God. I have great respect for you. I love caffeine. But you know what, Quentin? Here's a secret. Don't tell anybody. They don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days. You probably already know why. I would just keep that a secret. Don't tell Sam. He'll probably make fun of me. Okay, don't tell Sam. Bridget (laughs) Carter, where are you calling from today, Bridget? Do you travel a lot for Caesars, by the way? I do. I travel quite a bit. I guess about 70 to 75% of my time uh, because I support the whole Midwest, uh, all of our properties in the Midwest. So um, that's quite a few, about 10 to 11 properties. Wow. But, um, so what are you drinking? What are you drinking today? Well, or what do you well, like to drink when I've you're already, traveling? I've already yeah. had three cups, and I prefer dark roast, um, even an occasional espresso with no cream and no sugar. But on a daily basis, I drink a dark roast. Um, one, two of my favorites are Sumatra and French toast. And I have a half a teaspoon of sugar and a drop of cream. So I'm on my third cup, so I am <laughs> very I am very wired up right now. But anyway, um, I guess that comes a little bit from my South Louisiana uh, background where, you know, we enjoyed an occasional uh, dark roast uh, coffee you know, on a cold day, even growing up as a young child, we were allowed to have an occasional uh, little tea cup of coffee. But, um, and sometimes I, uh, because I lived in New Orleans for a number of years, uh, we occasionally would put a little Kahlua, a Tia Maria in our coffee at lunchtime. So, um, I have a lot of favorite ways to drink coffee, and I I could go on and on and share that with you, but I know, you know, we have other things to talk about. Well, Bridget, that's my coffee. My dear friend, I haven't heard anybody mention Tia Maria in at least 150 (laughs) years. I used to buy that. I loved it. Just a little sip, that wonderful coffee-flavored liqueur. Everybody knows Kahlua, but who remembers Tia Maria? Bridget, a kindred spirit. I am. I like you even more than I did five minutes ago. Wow, that's a great story. And I want to know something. You say you add to your Sumatra or French rose coffee one teaspoon of sugar. Okay, not too bad. A drop of cream. Is it heavy cream? Is it the real high test stuff, Bridget? It's uh, something I've discovered in the store. It's very concentrated, and it's called coffee creamer to go. So it doesn't have to be refrigerated. And you can take it to go, and you really only need a little drop, and it's like two teaspoons of of regular cream. But um, I purchased it because I just like the idea that you don't have to refrigerate it. And, um, yeah, if if I use regular cream, I will use uh, half and half. Uh, I do, too. And by the way, uh, yeah, you and I have to have lunch together sometime, and you can bring the Tia Maria, and I'll bring the glasses, okay? I think that's going to be a lunch date. Love to. Sam Crawford, I don't know if you can top these two stories. I'm not even going to ask you. I'm just going to say, Sam, what are you drinking, or what's your favorite beverage? Talk to me, Sam Crawford. Uh, My favorite beverage is coffee, decaffeinated. 
I have a special carrying cup in the circles I run with. They call it Sam Sippy Cup, so I'm never spilling it. It's a half a cup of decaf coffee. It's uh, the rest filled with water. I don't know how to do a drop of cream like Bridget does. I can't count the drops. I just put a, da- I just put a dash of French vanilla in it, mix it all up, add all the ice I can ice, and that's what I go with till evening, and then I go to Diet Pop. Oh, you are. You oh, are really oh, good. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In other circles in this country, it's called soda. In case. <laughs> good point. Yes. I, I lived in Oregon for many years, Sam, and I learned to say I'm taking my lunch in a paper sack instead of a paper bag, a sack instead of a bag, and pop. Yes. I think they called it pop instead of soda. So I've, I've learned a dual dialect here, and I appreciate that. So I have a question for you. Sam's sippy cup. What does this look like? We all want to know, Sam. Come on. Humor me. It's about a quart. It's a big green cup that snaps the lid. Uh, Some of the areas that I relax in are poker tournaments and golf outings. And (laughs) if you're sitting at a table in a tournament, and you have to put your drink down beside you. And everyone kicks, spills, or drops it. I don't know how many times, but everybody knows. And now everybody's using Sam's Sippy Cup. I love it. I love it. I think big cup with uh, the Loctite snap. You got to open it to drink it. Sam, I think there's a new business line for you. Sam, sippy cup for grown-ups who play golf tournaments and (laughs) poker tournaments. And I think we need the picture you sent me of you on the job site with your mouth half open and the veteran's cap on and looking very sharp. I think we need that on the side of the sippy cup. And I think Quentin and Bridget will help us market the cup. I'm positive. You know what? We're having way, way, yeah, business idea. You never know. I think we're having way too much fun here. And it's time to get back to our topic, which is David versus Goliath in 2015. Business networks and diversity suppliers. We're talking about community. We're talking about business networks helping connect companies, but specifically minority-owned, veterans-owned, women-owned, people, shall we say, maybe not in the mainstream of business, not yet, but they sure want to get there. So our special guests today are Quentin L. McCorvey, Sr., President and COO of M&R Distribution Services, and Bridget Carter, Manager of Supplier Diversity at Caesars Entertainment. And rounding out the trio here is Sam Crawford, Sr., CEO and founder of Armed Forces Construction Group, LLC. There we go. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be out after the break, we're going to regroup for 90 seconds, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Business has never been more complex than in today's networked economy. To thrive, companies must adapt and innovate. They must harness the wealth of information now available to enable smarter decision-making. They must enable effective collaboration among employees and with their customers and suppliers. They must optimally deploy enterprise resources, and they must make this simple. Join our experts as they discuss how your business leaders can drive innovation that positions your company for continued success. Business Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Business Innovation with Game Changers. Welcome back. And speaking of Twitter, we've got Gail Daikoku from SAP tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. And Gail's handle, if you're looking for her, is G-A-L-E-D-B. There you go. Thank you, Gail. I'm watching these wonderful tweets. She's commenting things like, when large companies can use diversity to connect smaller companies to new business opportunities, everybody wins. Amen, Gail. Well put. Thank you very much for capturing our panel's words of wisdom. It's time to kick off our roundtable, and Quentin McCorby has graciously agreed to start it with me, for me. And I'm looking at your notes, Quentin, and let's start here. You say, as an entrepreneur, your network is inextricably linked to your network. Worth. However, most individuals' networks are not diverse, and you ask the question, how can a lack of diversity of one's network affect net worth on both sides of the ledger, company and vendor? A lot of interesting stuff. Quentin, why don't you get us started, please? Thank you. Um, yeah, that quote means a lot, especially as it relates to supplier diversity. Um, one of the things that you do as an entrepreneur are you're trying to really develop relationships and you have to monetize those relationships and turn them into business value and business drivers for your organization. The same thing on the other end for companies and corporations. As a company and a, as a business begins to bring other suppliers into their organization, um, they're really developing relationships and building those relationships into bringing them into the organization. So, from my perspective as an entrepreneur, you have to really begin to drive uh, those relationships into talking to people and, and, and really beginning to understand how they are. As you move into a digitized network, a lot of times things are done either online or through procurement portals. So how do you turn those kind of digitized networks into relationships? Um, Diversity Inc. magazine um, really does a lot to promote uh, supplier diversity and, and other kinds of things, but they have what they call a diversity index, and they do show that companies that are very diverse, that bring in diverse suppliers, perform better on the stock exchange than other, other, other companies. And so, again, you have to see who's not at the table. Diversity, by the fact that you open your doors, you're diverse as an organization. You have different thoughts, different ideas, different motives, but you have to be inclusive and say, okay, who's not at the table? And so, again, a lot of times we can look around our own dinner table, our own cocktail parties, and see how inclusive are they, how diverse are they. And clearly that extends itself over into the business aspect, into the business environment. So as an organization, as an individual, you really need to begin to look in your circles and say, who's not here, who's not at the table? And so, again, what you have to begin to do is bridge that gap because it, it, it's valuable for all people involved. Thank you very much, Quentin. Beautifully put. Bridget Carter, why don't you join us? Thoughts on what Quentin just put out on the table for us to look at? Okay. Uh, from, a, from a corporate perspective, um, you know, and being an advocate for supplier diversity, both internal and external to the company, uh, we work very closely in um, 
with local procurement organizations like the uh, National Minority Supplier Development Councils, um, regional councils, to um, meet suppliers and give them access to our internal uh, sourcing team. So basically, those helps those efforts uh, lead to uh, our company having a stronger corporate presence in the local mm-hmm. communities where we operate. And we begin to build relationships with those suppliers. So it's a long-standing, ongoing relationship because giving or uh, providing opportunities for suppliers to meet the right people in the organization is key to that supplier building a relationship and being included for RFPs. So uh, it's important to understand that it's not, um, you know, just going to an event and uh, meeting someone, uh, making sure they're certified, making sure they have the capacity to handle a contract. It's getting to know that business, getting to um, uh, introduce them into the company, and I can't stress uh, that long enough. So, the uh, the key initiative there is is managing relationships with those businesses by, um, you know, making sure that they're able and willing to uh, handle one of our contracts. Very interesting perspective, and we do have quite an interesting mix on the panel. Thank you for bringing that POV, Bridget. Sam Crawford, thoughts on what we are talking about, please. Well, I first have to say that Quentin and Bridget have done a super job explaining it. I'm sort of at the other end. I am the one getting the people together in the Mm -hmm. companies to go after that work. Uh, Veterans sacrifice a great deal for their country, and all I'm trying to do in our company is make things better for them. Uh, when their service is ended, many have a hard time finding work. That's where we come in. We find them work, we put crews together, and then that helps us, as far as diversity goes, to go to these projects like Bridget mentioned and get the work, get the bid, meet the people, keep them in the background. Uh, I love what we do. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough. Sam, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you feel, do veterans feel uh, less than when a company says, well, we have a diversity supplier quota or we have a social compliance requirement, so we'll talk to you now because of our requirement? Is that, is that an insult or is that, whoops, is that seen as a green light that's welcomed? Anything on the, the perspective of the veterans, if you don't mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I, uh, I think that's exactly the way it goes, and uh, we are engaged daily. From my perspective, I spend hours interviewing veterans, interviewing veterans, small business. We have the certificates to, uh, as a small business and a service-connected veteran organization company, to bid the VA jobs and, and, and things like that. You need the people to do the work and that's why i keep stressing if you were in the service you know how to do it right the first time or you might wish you did 
Mm-hmm. Really good point. Yeah, know when, look before you leap and know what you're leaping into as you're looking, something like that. Thank you very much. Quentin, I'm going to circle back to you. Any comments on what your co-panelists shared on this opening topic? Uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's um, important, especially as, as Sam talked about and you asked about the compliance requirements, Some, whether it be a minority set-asides. Sometimes that can also be an opportunity for a company coming in, but it also can be a restrictor because sometimes an organization can look at a minority-owned business, business or veteran business as uh, as someone, we just want to get in the door, give them uh, 10% of the business or 10% of this mm-hmm. just because of social compliance, but not really looking at the value that they can bring into the organization, yes. the number of customers. I totally, Sam, I totally agree with you, Quentin. Yep. Good point, Quentin. Uh, thank you. Okay, Bridget Carter. I'm looking at your notes that you sent me before the show, and I want to go. Let's see where we'd like to go. Okay. Uh, Interesting point. You say, as it relates to procurement, there are multiple points of entry into a company, especially those with a national footprint, which is what Caesars Entertainment has. And you say one of the important aspects of digital networks inside a company is that they ensure there is a standardized framework in place for all diverse suppliers to be included on a continuous basis. That's a huge statement, Bridget. That's a that's a very inclusive statement. All diverse suppliers included on a continuous basis. I see uh, blue skies here. I see a lot of hope and optimism. So talk to me. What is it exactly? How does this work from a big company? Well, uh, we have a um, database where all businesses uh, register, number one, and uh, all of our uh, internal buyers and sourcing um, leaders are provided a training to have access to that database. So uh, identifying and including suppliers in an RFP is a very timely process. So uh, we don't want them just to rely on the supplier diversity team. So if they have access and know how to use that tool, they can then begin to, um, you know, use the tool uh, automatically. So when I say that uh, as as it relates to procurement, there are multiple points of entry, they can, uh, we do outreach, um, we introduce, we bring suppliers in to introduce them to the team. We have the tools where they have registered and we can access their information and contact them to include. We, um, you know, there, we have activities at our own project property when we have events, if we have a construction project or we have a need for uh, a specific product, we will have events at our properties and invite those uh, specific vendors and suppliers who can uh, meet those needs for us. So that's the various, those are just some of the ways where a, a supplier can gain access to our company. But, um, you know, we also need to look at you know, other ways, not just the uh, digitized network or the tool. So that's why there are various various footprints that we utilize. 
Does that make sense to you? Or yeah, it does. It, it does. And I just want to ask you one question before I invite Sam and Quentin to join in on this topic, Bridget. My question is, in terms of guidance, you talked about smaller companies, minority companies, diverse companies needing to learn to use the tool. Do you first get your foot in the door with a national company like Caesars Entertainment by saying, I want to learn how to become one of your suppliers, get me in the program, mentor me, show me what the tools are so that when the right contract comes up, I know how to use the tool to apply for it. I'm ready and waiting. So is that a multi-level or multi-stage process, Bridget? Right. And when we conduct uh, training or when we have outreach events at our properties, that is exactly what we do. We tell them, we tell those potential suppliers uh, how we buy, what we buy, how much we buy, and the process for engaging with our company. Uh, so it's a... Uh, you know, it's a total education and informational session, especially when we go into new markets where the suppliers in that market may not be familiar with a Caesars property or may not have a Caesars property there or may not have done a business with uh, Caesars before. So um, that is uh, very important to us that the businesses in those community know how to reach us, know who to reach, know uh, the type of uh, products and services we utilize in the company, and, um, and just can follow us through the procurement process. Thank you very much. Sam Crawford, join us. Thoughts on what Bridget just shared about how a smaller company can get into a large national or multinational company as a supplier diversity? Well, I'm just going to be straightforward and tell you that I saw who Bridget was with, and at one time I was bidding on Caesars Entertainment work. She's already put me in contact with the person that handles what I do, and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait to attend one of their sessions. Uh, I can't thank her enough. She's very professional at what she does. Uh well, thank and they you, really Sam. do come out they really do come out and try to give people their chance. And then you gotta be ready to jump when they're ready. It's that simple. Thank you, Sam. That's why this panel is so perfect, because we're coming at the topic from multiple in input points and multiple endpoints and I appreciate it. Uh Okay, Quentin, I'd like to get you in on this. Thoughts on this process. What do you think? Have you experienced it? Is this something you like, something you agree with? It's something I definitely agree with because a lot of times when you look at diversity, they're typically a page on a website of an organization or something within the annual report. Um, But when you have an organization who's committed to really being diverse and inclusive, there has to be strategies and initiatives to show that value. Clearly, Caesars is one of those companies that is unique, and as far as uh, as long as I've been in business and been on the other side of the ledger as well, there are very few companies I see that really talk the the the, the talk and walk the walk as long uh, the way Caesars does. Again, there's multiple. Totally agree. 
but you have to understand how to navigate an organization. And organizations who are national organizations, multi-level organizations, they're very, very difficult to understand, very, very difficult to figure out. So if you don't have a team of 30 or 40 people or someone who's really focusing on that, it's difficult, especially with a smaller company, to really understand how to navigate the organization. So once you get that, once you get that understanding, you are able to compete. And as Sam said, you know, once the, 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 the faucet is ready to be turned on, you got to be ready to move. And so to be able to do that and have that opportunity uh, really helps, again, not only the company but also the organization as well. Thank you, Quentin. Bridget, anything you want to add to this before? Sam. Oh, go well, ahead, Sam. I would, I would, oh, I'm sorry. I would Sam, just like go ahead. To, okay, go Bridget. ahead. I just wanted to Sam. ask Quentin a question. Do you really have 30, 40 people doing all this stuff? No, that's why it's important for what Bridget is saying to have that kind of outreach and network. <laughs> that's that's my whole point. I got two or three, and we we got busy days. <laughs> Bet you do. Go ahead, well, Bridget. I would please. just like to um, comment and and just thank Sam and 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 um, Quentin for those positive comments about uh, Caesars. But uh, I also want to uh, stress that you know navigating through a company to get to the right people is a big challenge for a small business. And, um, and that is the value that I feel I bring to businesses mm-hmm. because I know I can put them, you know, in touch to the appropriate person who they need to speak to and determine whether or not there is an opportunity. We, we don't advocate that we have an open door and can do business with everyone. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so important that we connect the uh, supplier who's interested in doing business with us with the right sourcing team member or buyer so that um, they can get those questions answered quickly. And if there's not an opportunity with us, you know, then um, they can move on. Thank you very much, Bridget. I'm moving on to some topics from Sam's notes. Sam, I know you've been waiting waiting for me to get to you in terms of leading off a topic, and I have a really good one here. You say smaller companies... Smaller companies, take another sip, Sam, I'm ready for you. Smaller companies provide customers with personalized service. And here's where I want to go with this, Sam. You say so much business today is bottom line price driven that people don't see the value of this. And we're talking not just smaller companies for the sake of size. We're talking about smaller diversity, diverse owned companies. And then you say cost overruns, service problems, et cetera, have costs that are built in that many companies don't see until the back end. So surprise, it's going to cost you a lot more. So my question to you, Sam, I want to talk about this, but I want to address if if a company like Caesars is looking at two or three vendors and one can come in and they say they can deliver the goods and the services at a lower price, on time, on budget, and they're not a diversity supplier, why do you say, Sam Crawford, that you need to look more seriously at the diversity supplier and give them the opportunity? What do you think, Sam? Well... The cost overruns and the things that come at the back end, you've got to be prepared for that. And just like in my notes, in the military, you're trained and conditioned to get things right the first time. This is why Mm -hmm. veterans make such good employees. They come from a background of 
being ready for whatever is to come at the end. Smaller companies provide customers with a lot of personalized service. Uh, The digital network makes life Mm -hmm. easier, and it's here to stay, but we have to think about what and who gets lost in it and how do we help them find their way. How do you do that, Sam? What's your? I, I don't usually ask this type of question, but what's what's your platform? What do you do? You go out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm representing. I'm I'm pulling together veterans who have come back from service for our country. They're ready to work. They're eager to work. Uh, they have all kinds of skills, or we're training them in new skills. We want to be considered. How strongly do you have to say that to have them look up and say, "Oh, it's Sam Crawford. Yeah, he can bring us some some great companies, some great workers." What do you have to do to get on their radar? Sam? Uh, you have to search them out. You have to go find them. Uh, there's so, so many service organizations out there that uh, try to help the best they can. Ours, we've chosen the construction industry because a lot of veterans do that type of work. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it becomes tough, but again, I'm going to refer back to Bridget. Uh, She gave me a door opener, and I've already taken advantage of it, and we're working on companies constantly, but we also have a very special uh, identification by being a service-connected, disabled service-connected, veteran-owned small business. That allows us to bid VA projects from anything from their buildings to veterans themselves. You have no idea in this country how many veterans are disabled, and they need bathrooms, and they need bedrooms, and they need ramps, and they need elevators, and they need things in their house to help them become a human being again, and I spend a lot of time finding that. I give it everything we got and get my people over there and we find out what they need and you got a vet talking to a vet and nothing's better than that. There you go. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Quentin, talk to me. Thoughts on what we're talking about with Sam. Go ahead. Yes, I think it's important for every organization, and I'm not talking about a major company, to balance what I call mission and margin. I don't know many organizations who don't have a mission to do something within the community or to grow their community. But again, they have a bottom line margin. They have shareholder value they have to enhance. And so somewhere in that, they have to balance that mission and margin. And that's where I think supplier diversity rests in that space. I mean, how do we begin to bring other organizations in and help them when they may not have a $50 million balance sheet, when they, but they can give us a different level of customer service. They can help us open ourselves up to new markets and new opportunities. They can have a different level of commitment to our project because, you know, their project may be one of their own one of three projects as opposed to one of 3,000 projects. So there's a different level of high touch that happens within that. You know, there's an there's a, an inherent nature to act entrepreneurial in what you do and not just solve problems, but uh, not just to fill a supply chain void, but solve problems. Um, and so for my business, we begin to look at, okay, we're not just supplying a project. We need a, a project or product. 
we need to begin to look at what are some of your ills within the supply chain. I mean, do you deliver at one date or another time of the month? Do you buy in bulk? You know, do you begin Very to just in time delivery? All kinds of other things. Yeah, and so what we're trying to do as a smaller business, we're trying to understand how do we take the pains out of your supply chain issues as opposed to just giving you a product at the time that you're looking for that product. And so that's a more entrepreneurial approach that we and smaller businesses really take as a daily uh, course of action. Thank you very much, Quentin. Quentin, would you tell us just briefly what your company does? I want to make sure everybody knows. Yes, M&R Distribution is, again, a minority-owned company that primarily sells uh, MR or maintenance, repair, and operations products. Uh, our primary product lines are uh, janitorial products such as disposable gloves uh, within the food service industry, the healthcare industry, uh, can liners, and things such as that. And we do have the ability to service a national footprint and an international footprint as well. We just set up a division of our company in Kenya uh, this year, and so we're again looking to open up new markets with with those opportunities. Thank you very much, Quentin. Bridget, I'm going to let you wrap up on this topic, and then I have something uh, a little interesting I want to do. So, Bridget, any thoughts on what we've been talking about with Sam and Quentin? Go ahead, Bridget Carter. Yes, and I just um, wanted to state that you know, that's part of Caesars Entertainment's uh, supply diversity mission, and that is to um, have an impact in every community where we operate. So sometimes the lowest cost is not in an RFP, is not the decision maker. You know, we also look for, uh, you know, uh, quality service and delivery and timing so there are other measures that we look at uh, besides the lowest cost. But we do look for competitive pricing mm-hmm. and quality and service. So, um, But a, another key is our commitment to impacting that economic inclusion in the communities where we serve. And what that means that if businesses, if uh, local entrepreneurs in those communities can thrive, then that's good for the community, that's good for the business, and it's good for those corporations in that community. So it's a win-win situation for all. Thank you. I think it's a win-win-win if you add the big picture. Sam, you want to say something? No, Um, I I agree, total. Uh, Thank you. You just got to weed them out work them out, make the contact. But the important thing that I always try to remember is whether you win or not, make that friend with that company. Make that contact mm-hmm. stick because if, they can, if they're going to remember you, they're going to call you back or at least put you on the list to try again. Exactly. So Great point. Don't, day, don't burn those bring, bridges. Right, Sam? Don't burn the bridges. That's absolutely right. Stay with it. Never, ever. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Quentin, I'm looking over the notes you sent me, and I've picked out one, two, three, four, five, six sentences that I think I'm turning into Quentinisms. Would you allow me to turn into Quentinisms, what you've said here, Quentin? Is that okay? Of course. Of 
Okay. Here's what Quentin said. Let me just throw these out over the transom here and let's see what anybody wants to say because we're almost ready for our predictions round. So I'm just going to toss these out. Quentin says, uh, as a diverse supplier, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm looking for a handshake. That's number one. Quentinism number two. What is important is to move from contacts to contracts. And along with that, in the end, people do business with people they like. That's Quentinism number two. Quentinism number three. We're not looking for transactions. We're looking for relationships. Quentinism number four. I hope you're enjoying this, Quentin. No man or woman has ever stolen second base with one foot remaining on first. Quentinism number five, diversity happens by just showing up. We all look differently. We speak differently. We think differently. We approach problems differently. That is the nature of diversity. And quentinism number six, I think I'm on track here. In the modern supply chain world, for lack of better words, the art of the deal is how to turn a digital connection into a digital handshake. Quentin. You really covered it all, my friend. What do you think? Did oh. you ever think of Qu- – we need a book of Quentinisms. Bridget, do you agree? Sam, do you agree? <laughs> oh, I love I it. I agree thoroughly. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Quentin, did you know you were going to be quoted like that on Game Changers Radio? I did not, and if you could see me, I'm probably blushing and hiding underneath my table here. No, you're not hiding under the table. You just put that out there, and I needed to get it out on the table here. Guess what? We have six minutes left till the end of the show, and I want to make sure we have time to cover adequate. Oh, five minutes, Brad, just reminded me. Okay, I'm going to give you each a full, let's say, 90 seconds. Exactly. No more. Maybe a little less for predictions. So Quentin McCorvey Sr. from MNR Distribution Services, I'm going to give you just shy of 90 seconds to give me your predictions. I love the year 2020, Quentin, for looking forward for predicting, projecting a topic. So what do you think will change at some point in the future? Tell me the point in the future and give me your predictions. Let's take it down to 80 seconds. Quentin, go. Well, hopefully my son will be out of college and try to figure out a way to help me make more money and actually return on the investment (laughs) of the investment I made in his education. But beyond that, I think that it's going to be a staple to really figure out how do we work more closely with minority-owned businesses. A lot of times, again, organizations really look at pass-through kind of opportunities, but I think people are going to start having the rigor that Bridget and Caesars has around how do we begin to understand the value of these organizations, bring them into the fold, and realize that it's more of a value to us than them uh, in the long run. So I really look forward to the field expanding. I look forward to more people being committed to bringing other people into the fold. And I look forward to, you know, 2020 or some years from now that uh, folks like Sam and, and other people around the country have really solid opportunities so they can really begin to uh, bring more people into the fold, into the workforce. Thank you so much. Very well put. Bridget Carter, I'm going to give you 60 seconds for predictions because I want to be able to finish the show on time. So, Bridget, predictions, tell me your time frame. Go. Well, I look, um, I don't have a time frame because I just think that we need to uh, look at, or companies need to look at diversity as an initiative more than just reports. Okay, uh, we operate in a highly competitive and regulated market, and uh, reporting is part of our business. And I just think we need to come to uh, some stage where um, where it's easier for businesses to navigate 
through the company and uh, maximize and be able to maximize uh, business opportunities for that company. So I think it's an ongoing evolution, but that is my hope that at some point we'll have a uh, a process where it's it's more than just reporting. I mean, we'll all have always have to measure in order to make sure we're successful, but I think we need to look at more than just reporting and have it be a, um, a, a business strategy that will bring us success. Thank you very much. Well put. And Sam Crawford, bringing up the rear here, I can give you 60 seconds. Go ahead, Sam. Predictions, please. <laughs> uh, my predictions, I made a step to the plate and opened my big mouth at the conference this year. Uh, my predictions are that we're in 12 states and 59 cities now. I intend to be in all 48 continental states and three to 400 cities. So that's my predictions as far as it. technology goes. Making those changes comes with new terminology. We just have to stay there and play it one day at a time and make it better and better and better. There you go. Thank you very much. And I want to get a book of Quentinisms out here soon so we can hand it out. Bridget, you can hey, use it. And Sam, you can that. use it. I want a signed copy. Are you kidding me? There we go. And Gail has just tweeted the book of Quentinisms. So it's out there. Quentin, what can I tell you? It's just about time for us to end. I have one lightning round question. Yes or no answer, please. We talk often on Game Changers Radio about millennials being drawn into the workforce and becoming entrepreneurs and spearheading new ideas and new companies and new small businesses. So, do millennials have any uh, any interest in being part of this supplier diversity from the standpoint of uh, diversity millennials starting their own companies outside the mainstream and having to get into supplier diversity? Yes or no, Quentin? Absolutely, yes. Bridget Carter? Of course, yes. Of course. And Sam Crawford? Oh, of course. Of course, I like it when panelists agree, but you don't have to. Guess what? I want to say thank you to Quentin L. McCorvey, Sr. at M&R Distribution Services. Wonderful. Bridget B. Carter at Caesars Entertainment. Wonderful. And Sam Crawford, Sr. at Armed Forces Construction Group, LLC. Wonderful. What a great panel. I'm so pleased to have met the three of you. You brought such different points of view, perspectives, experiences, and insights to the table, and your time is really, really appreciated. And a shout-out, of course, to Jeannie Trin at SAP Ariba for putting together this marvelous panel, and Gail Daikoku for capturing so many words of wisdom, and thank you to Brad, the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have 30 seconds to wrap up. The blue light is flashing on my Academy Awards speech. I should be so lucky. Here we go. Here's my call to action. Quentin, Bridget, Sam, listen up. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, but the three of you already are. Talk to you tomorrow right here, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.